In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. In the scripture reading for today, um, we read about Christ rejoicing uh, in the wisdom that is revealed to his people. And he says specifically in verse 21, when he is praying to God the Father, and he's saying, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. So we can kind of question and ponder, what is what does this mean? What are the things that he has hidden from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes? This means that the wisdom, uh, according to the understanding of the world, right? Like we have um, many people in, in the world that are very intelligent, that are very knowledgeable, that um, are experts in many different fields and philosophies and science and um, many of these fields. Um, and in the world, the world looks up to this group. The world looks up to uh, this group and, and, and kind of um, values a lot this type of understanding and this type of knowledge, right? And those people who are the most successful in the world are the ones that are the most expert at these types of understanding, these types of knowledge, these types of philosophy, the philosophy of the world, okay? So according to the world's understanding, these are those who are wise, right? The wise person is the one who um, is the best at finances because he can become rich. The wise person is the one who is best at science because he can understand scientific truth. The, the wise person is the person who can understand all kinds of philosophies, right? Or art or, or all these different fields in the world that people aspire to be experts in, aspire and they look at kind of the, the, the greats and the giants of human beings that have lived all throughout history that have accomplished great things, the, the Nobel Prize winners, um, you know, the people, the people that have, have, have achieved so much in the world that we look up to them, we study about them, we read their history, we want to be like them, right? These are those who are wise according to the world, okay? And yet there are those who are simple, there are those who are not wise according to the world. There are those who live a different kind of life completely that do not have all of these things, okay? And here what, what Christ is saying is God has revealed the true understanding to the babes, right? Not to these giants, not to these who are wise according to the world, but to the simple, to the humble, to the obedient, to the faithful, to the pure, to the repentant. Those people who have faith in God, who seek to follow him, regardless of whether they are you know, successful in the world or not, those people are the ones whom God reveals the true wisdom, right? The true wisdom, which is a wisdom that transcends the wisdom of the world. All those other wisdoms, you know, I, I don't know if you're familiar with um, on Google, when, you, when, you, when you're going to Google to do a search, there's certain days well, you'll find like the logo of Google is changed, right? And um, the, the logo will be something else, right? And those, those, those logos, those different logos, they're called Google Doodles. And they're, they're usually to commemorate some event that's happened in the world. And a lot of times, or, or a person, like a famous person who lived, right? And always the things that are commemorated, right, are, are like the, the, the lives of certain people, right? people that the world aspires to be like, people that we that, that they want to like emphasize their the greatness, okay? 
Whereas the wisdom of Christ, okay, the wisdom of God transcends anything that is in the world. Every, anything that, that, that is of Christ is eternal. That maybe this world is running like in a certain system, but God's system is greater than the system. I always imagine in my mind an ant farm when I think about this. You know, in, a, in an ant farm, you have all of these ants that are in this ant farm. And to them, that is the entire world. Like to them, they have roles, they have jobs. You know, some ants are digging, some ants are moving dirt from here to here, some ants are, you know, doing all these things. And they're very, very organized, like when you when you look at them. And it's really amazing how much they're able to do and how much they're able to accomplish and they work together, right? And sometimes I think what, what we are living in and the earth is kind of like an ant farm. Like we're very proud of ourselves, of our accomplishments, of what we're able to do. But in the end, all we're doing is moving dirt around. Like in the end, there's, there's nothing greater really that we're accomplishing other than moving dirt from here to here. We are just a small little world in a very, very big reality. And, and what Christ came into the world to do is to reveal to us the true reality, right? It's kind of like a person who was on the outside of this ant farm, like becoming an ant himself, and going into the ant farm and trying to preach to these ants and telling them, hey, don't you realize that there is a much bigger world outside of your ant farm than, you know, what you think? And there will be some ants who believe and there will be some ants that do not believe, okay? Those who do not believe are content to simply be moving dirt around from here to here and feeling like they're accomplishing something great. Whereas those ants that believe are the ones that are going to be looking out the glass of the ant farm and trying to perceive something greater than themselves, okay? And this is what Christ came. Christ came to, to earth as a man to reveal to us the truth and to make a way for us to leave this ant farm, so to speak, and go to the real world, okay? And so here, Christ is rejoicing, and he's speaking to God the Father, and he's saying, you, the you, know, you have hidden these things from the wise, from those who are completely content only living in this world and, and doing the things of the world, they, they, are, they are blinded to this. They don't see this. They are so consumed with the idea of doing things in the world that they don't see anything else outside of the world. And, and, and that's it. But to those who are, to, to who are pure, to those who are humble, to those who are faithful, to those who want to see, who are willing to listen and to accept, right? You have revealed to them the greatest mysteries, the mysteries that are far greater than anything that is in the world. Okay? We have the knowledge of God, right? We have the knowledge of God, which is the knowledge of the true reality, the, the, the reality that is outside, right, of this microcosm, of this little world that we live in, okay, that to us seems so big and so expansive. And yet in the eyes of God and in the big picture, it's so, so small, right? Uh, St. Paul says to the Romans, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do things which are not fitting. These people who have either departed from God or have never accepted God, those who did not retain God in their knowledge, those who rejected the idea of God, they are living with a debased mind with a blinded mind, with an impure mind. They're living with a mind that, uh, that has been corrupted by this world, right? Those who believe in eternal life realize that the life and the principles that are important to reaching that life, the eternal life, 
are far more important than any knowledge or anything else in the world, right? This is why as Christians, we are called to sacrifice this world to achieve the next. If I truly had a right perspective and a right understanding, right, of this principle, then I would gladly and easily give up, you know, the moving the dirt around here in the world, right, to prepare myself for the next world, to be looking out the glass of the ant farm, so to speak, and be able to acknowledge and to perceive this world that, that God is taking me into, okay? This is why we as Christians are called to live a different life. Living a different life is not just like a commandment that God is saying, you must do this, this, and this. Living a different life should be a natural consequence of the renewal of our mind, the natural consequence of the realization of these hidden things that God has revealed to the babes. That is what God has revealed to us. And that now with this information, with this knowledge, with this realization, with this perception, that we are naturally drawn to that life, that that life becomes so like wonderful and so important to us that we naturally want to let go of this one, that this one doesn't really hold for us any interest anymore. It's just not as fascinating as it was before. The goals and the aspirations that we had, that we worked so hard to achieve in this life, suddenly just don't feel as important anymore. The people that I idolized, the people that I thought were these giants and these greats and these philosophers and these scientists and, and all these people who are celebrities, right, in my mind, they just don't seem to be, have the luster that they had before, right? Those who believe only in this world have nothing else to, in, to consider or invest in. Like all of their energy is invested into this life because they don't believe in another one, right? God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. So we should consider what is more valuable to us and what do we care about more and how is that reflected in our actions, right? We should be trying to grow in God, to learn more about him, to let go the things of this life simply because we believe and know that the next life is what has the true riches, not the riches that are present here. Um, St. Paul speaks about those in the world as always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know, we, we live in an, in an age where knowledge is more accessible than at any other time ever in history. And that knowledge is appreciated and valued more than in any time in history. And knowledge is accessible um, more than in any other time in history. It, it's really amazing that any question that anyone has at any time, we can find the answer within 30 seconds just by using the phone that's in our pocket. Like any answer to any question about anything that's ever happened in the world that mankind is aware of, we can find an answer to that question instantly, right? Knowledge is so prevalent. Knowledge is everywhere. And yet, just because there is knowledge, it doesn't mean that there is truth, right? Or the kind of truth that is valuable. A lot of the knowledge that, that people um, seek is just noise. A lot of the knowledge that people seek is just irrelevant knowledge. It's, it's knowledge, yes, but it's not the kind of knowledge that leads to understanding. It's not the kind of knowledge that leads to the truth, right? Think about like uh, the world is like a hamster that's running on a hamster wheel and the hamster continues to run. And the hamster thinks that he's going somewhere, but he's actually not going anywhere, right? He just keeps running, running, running. He's expending effort, 
but he doesn't go anywhere. So the world also believes that they are progressing. They believe that they are moving, gaining, growing, right? And we look around us and we see a lot of progress, right? We use the word progress. We see, oh, look, there's new technologies. Um, you know, there's new systems. There's new ways of doing things that are more efficient than what there was before. And so we look at ourselves as, as a society and we say we are progressing, you know, as a society. But in, the, in some ways and in the most important ways, maybe we are not progressing. Maybe we are actually regressing, right? Again, back to the Romans uh, chapter one, the, the verse. And, they, and e even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. What value is it for me if I gain all of this knowledge in the world and yet the knowledge of God has left me? The knowledge of God is not valuable to me. What can I say at the end of my life, right? With all of this knowledge that I've gained, of what value is it to me? What is it that I'm going to do with such knowledge at the end? right? It doesn't matter if a person is healthy or sick or rich or poor or intelligent or not intelligent, because in the end, the same thing is going to happen to all of us. In, in Ecclesiastes chapter two, it says the wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. Yet I myself perceived that the same event happens to them all. What does that mean? It means that whether you live your life the wise man here is referring to like wise according to the world. The wise man's eyes are in his head, meaning he is very aware. He's very understanding. He's very knowledgeable. He's perceiving. He, he understands, right? The wise man's eyes are in his head. But the fool works in dark, walks in darkness, meaning he is dumb. He is, he, is not, he is not wise in the way that he acts. He's, you know, not making good decisions and so on. But whether a person lives their entire life with knowledge, with understanding, with intelligence, with making good decisions, or a person lives their entire life as a fool, unless they have the knowledge of God, if all there is is just the knowledge of this world, that the same event happens to them all in the end, which is death, right? So someone who lives their entire life gaining in knowledge, gaining in understanding, gaining in success, gaining in all these things, in the end of their life, they are no different than someone who did not achieve anything, right? So this is what St. Paul is saying is that the world is always learning, always gaining knowledge. And yet, despite the knowledge that they have, these people who are wise according to the world, they never fully understand. They never, they never come to the knowledge of the truth, which is the truth of the reality that we're in, the truth of God and what he has asked us to do. Wisdom is what comes from above, right? True wisdom comes from God. God is the one who reveals himself to us, and we must... Um, accept him by faith, right? Or those who reject him, right? Those who reject him. In James chapter three, it says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. Okay. I want to speak a little bit about um, the, the two points. The first one about uh, being selfless, because he's speaking about self-seeking, um, and then also about the boasting or, or you know, being humble. Um, in um, the, the, the verse we just read, if, if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic, right? 
this is the way of the world. The way, the way of the world is very, very selfish, okay? It's to seek one's own. It's desire success for myself at the expense of others, right? But for those who have been enlightened by the Holy Spirit, right? We should not seek uh, ourselves, but we are called to seek others before ourselves, just as our master did on the cross, just as the Lord did on the cross, right? Christ took sin upon himself, right? Sin that is the most abhorrent thing to him. You know, as human beings, we have a far greater tolerance for sin than God tolerates sin. You know, we, 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 we live with sin. Like sin is something that is normal for us. Like sin is everywhere for us. But to, to, to God, sin is the most abhorrent thing. It is the thing that is like the, the antithesis of God. It is the thing that is completely against God, is the rejection of God. Okay, Christ took upon himself this thing, which is the worst possible thing for him. He took it on himself, right, in order for us to be righteous. This is an example of the wisdom that comes from above. This is an example of the way that God is, that God wants us to be, right? God wants us to be selfless. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is what Christ did. This is the selflessness of God. This is the way that God led us to heaven, right? Led us to paradise because he, he did this selfless act, this act of self-sacrifice in order to give himself up for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. This is an example of the wisdom that comes from above. When we speak about what is this wisdom? How is it that we can have this wisdom? What does that wisdom look like? One of the ways that we can practice this wisdom is to practice selflessness. This is what he is saying, just as Christ did. Humility is another example. In Proverbs 11, it says, when pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. In order for me to, to be wise, right? In order for me to be wise, I must be humble, okay? Sometimes people have a wrong understanding of, of what wisdom looks like. Some people think that wisdom is all about... Um, being an expert, uh, always having the right answers, always doing the right things, um, never being wrong in anything. Uh, but that's actually not true. Hum like Wisdom comes with humility. In order for me to be truly wise, I must truly have self-understanding. And if I really have self-understanding, I cannot put on a show and pretend that I have the right answers to everything. I am wrong often. I am mistaken often. I fail often right? And this is humility to admit the truth, right? Those with the worldly wisdom, they boast in their understanding, they boast in who they are, and it's easy for them to look down upon those who are simple, to those who lack that understanding, and especially to those who, who by simple faith accept the existence of God whom they reject, right? This is humility. In the world, the one who boasts the most gets the most attention, right? The, the one who, who, who is the flashiest, the one who is the best, the one who shows and boasts of themselves as the best, they're the ones that get the most attention. But in the kingdom of heaven, Christ taught us that the first will be last and the last first, right? It is against the way of the world. It is against the way of the world to, to take the last place. When Christ says, when you go to a wedding feast, sit, sit in the last place 
and that when the, 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 the host of the feast comes, he will see you sitting in the last place and he will bring you up to the first, right? That, that host is Christ himself, that God, when he sees us in the lowest place, he will honor us by bringing us to the best place. We don't see this principle in the world, right? In the world, we have to fight to get to the top. In the world, we have to, to push others out of the way so we can take their place and be number one. Again, what am I trying to be successful in? Am I trying to be successful in the world or am I trying to be successful in the kingdom of God, right? Um, what are some other aspects of heavenly wisdom, okay? In James 3.17, it says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy, okay? Let's just meditate a little bit on these aspects that's mentioned here in, the, in this verse. The first element of wisdom that is from above is that it's pure, right? It's pure. It is desiring to be pure. It's desiring to be without blemish. It's desiring to be pure according to the command of God, that God is the one who tells us what is pure and what is impure. First of all, I'm, I'm, I'm not deciding for myself what's pure and impure. God is the one who tells us, just as in the Old Testament, God is the one who told the Israelites, certain animals are clean, certain animals are unclean, okay? God said, this is it. You should eat these animals. You shouldn't eat these other animals. So, so the standard of what should be done is not man-made, but it is God-determined. It is God-ordained and told to us, revealed to us what is good and what is bad, okay? Even if I don't fully understand why that is, even if I don't fully understand, well, God, why have you said that certain things is good and certain things is bad? We can try to understand and we can discuss it and we can talk about it. But in the end, right, even if I have no understanding of why something is good or not, you know, I, I think nowadays um, with kids growing up in public schools, um, in the current environment and sex education, for instance, and what's being taught to kids, you know, a lot of the older generation were taught from when they were very young that there's two sexes, uh, male and female, um, and that marriage should be between a man and a woman. That, that was something that was ingrained and taught into children, right? Nowadays, you're going to have um, a whole generation of, of kids growing up that have never been taught that, that have been taught from the very beginning that there is a spectrum of genders, there is a spectrum of sexual orientations and so on. For someone who has that thought has been ingrained in them from their youth, to then be taught, well, God is saying that there is two genders, male and female, and God is saying that marriage is between man and woman, okay? It's going to be difficult for someone who has learned otherwise all their life to begin to accept this because their instinct is going to tell them otherwise. Their instinct, they have been programmed to believe that it's not that. So even when we don't fully comprehend or understand God's wisdom, we are called to follow God's wisdom, follow God's commandment. So purity is something that is determined by God, right? I am seeking the purity of God. I'm seeking to be um, pure according to God's standard, okay? He says what? Peaceable. I, I want to be at peace with others. I don't want to be at war with others. I don't want to attack others. I don't want to take revenge against others. I want to show love and kindness to others. I want to be at peace. And oftentimes we all say that we want to be at peace, right? But but the, the question is, is what am I willing to do in order to create peace? 
it's 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 not just well i'm gonna wait or i want the other person to do something to take the first move in order for me to be at peace with them no what is it that i should do in order to create peace with the other right that is my responsibility there is something that i can do i can take the first move i can make the first step toward creating peace because i value peace you know and 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 and, and you know sometimes we we in order to you know achieve things we we lose our peace you know sometimes people want to be very very high achievers um and in order to do that they have to work several jobs or they they have to take a job that is so stressful and demanding that they end up losing their peace right and we ask our question the question is is it is it worth it peace is more valuable than money you know um gentle the way that i deal with people in gentleness am i quick to um to lose my temper you know, am I quick to rebuke? Am I quick to be harsh with others? Or am I gentle? Am I patient? You know, uh, willing to yield? You know, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I'm not demanding my way. It doesn't have to be my way. Maybe my way is not the best way. Maybe my way is wrong. Maybe other people have a better way than myself. You know, it is, it is, I'm willing to yield. I'm willing to, to give up my will to someone else, right? This is all according to the wisdom of God full of mercy. I'm quick to forgive. You know, I'm quick to forgive and I'm not quick to judge. Even though you hurt me, I'm willing to forgive you. I'm willing to give you a second chance and I'm not holding a grudge against you. Good fruit. Good fruit because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit that in me, God produces fruit. God produces all the fruit of the Spirit, right? And that virtue is manifested in me, not because I try really hard to be virtuous, because the work of the Holy Spirit in me naturally brings out the work of God, right? Without partiality, I'm unbiased. I treat everyone the same. I don't have favorites. And then finally, without hypocrisy, I practice what I preach. What I believe is what I try to live. I'm not putting on a show. I'm not putting on a face. I'm not pretending to be something that I'm not. I'm, 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 maybe I sin and I fall and I struggle, yes. But I'm, I'm trying to live according to the standard that I believe is right. We see all of these um, attributes manifested in Christ, right? Who is the one that we are trying to follow. We are trying to imitate his purity, his peace, his gentleness, his willingness to yield, even allowed his own creation to kill him, right? That is how much he yielded to them. And that despite that, he was merciful and forgave them. Even while they were, while he was on the cross, he forgave them, right? And so we see all of these attributes present in Christ. He is the source of heavenly wisdom. He is the one that we are trying to imitate. We want to follow him and not to follow the world. We don't want to follow um, the famous people and the, the system of the world that we oftentimes forget that we are above the world, that we are not of the world, that we should not live like the world because we have been so planted in the world, are so influenced by the world and sadly often brainwashed by the world that we believe that this world is all there is. So again, I just want to go back to um, the example of the ant farm, right? We should, if this world is like an ant farm where you have all of these people, all of these ants that are moving dirt around from here to here, we have to like open our eyes and realize that there is a world that is greater, a reality that is greater than simply the small place that we are. We are born in this place. And because of that, we imagine that all this is all of the world. You know, similar to like how a baby that is in the womb of his mother 
born, like created in the womb of his mother, that this world is the only place he knows. He doesn't realize there's anything else outside. We also should realize that there's one day where we are suddenly going to leave this world and go into another world, just like a baby that is born. They could have never have imagined that there was anything else outside or, or how wonderful or amazing that that world outside is or how different that world is than the world that they knew, right? And yet, this is exactly what will happen to us. It's like we are going to be born. We're going to be born and suddenly we realize that we're in a world that's always existed, that's always present, that is much bigger and grander than the world that we have ever known. And yet it has been there all along and we just never perceived it. I just want to conclude um, in this verse in Ephesians chapter four, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Here, St. Paul is imploring the Ephesians and imploring us and saying, do not be children in, in, in your faith. Like, do not be weak in faith, right? Be, be strong and steadfast in your faith, not tossed here and there by every idea, by every philosophy, by everything posted on social media, by everything in the news, by every statement that's that's said by every trickery of men, by all the deception that is in the world, right? What should be our grounding, our grounding truth, what should be the, the wisdom is the wisdom that comes from God, is the wisdom that we read about in the Bible, is the wisdom that we learn in the church. It's, it's through connection with God that we are centered and that we are not tossed here and there and deceived by everything that is, that is in the world, okay? That we grow up in all things in Christ that we are always mindful of Christ. We are called to remain obedient, even in the time of lawlessness that we are in, to remain pure, even though that the, the world we live in is a corrupt world, to remain hopeful, even though many people in the world have lost hope, to remain a light, even though we are living in a place that is full of darkness. Christ is calling us to live against the world, to be the opposite of what the world is, that when the world is full of darkness, that instead we are full of light. When the world is full of corruption, that we remain pure. When the world is hopeless, that we are still hopeful. Because what we build our life on, what we build our faith on, is not of the world, but is greater than the world. So we are not subject to this world. We are not prisoners of this world. We should not live as though this world is our home, but we are sojourners, we are travelers. This place is a temporary stopping point, a waypoint in order for us to get to our permanent home. So may God grant us that we always be filled with his wisdom, that he reveals these things to us from heaven, that he came to earth so that we would know him and that we would love him and know how much he loves us and that we would be the babes. We would be the one who are the simple that Christ reveals these things to and not seek the worldly wisdom, which can often lead to destruction. And glory be to God forever. Amen.